0: What are you dying to do right now? I mean, what have you in the past maybe just been dying to do? I mean, fill in the blank. Is it to attend the Super Bowl? Is it to finally pay off death? Is it to meet the woman of your dreams, the man of your dreams, to to get the A? What are you dying to do? Fill in the blank. Take a moment. What are you dying to do? Now, when we use that word as I just did, uh, we don't mean it literally, but rather figuratively. However, for the next five to seven minutes, we're going to take a look at a time when someone was really, truly, and in the plain and literal sense of the word, dying. To do something. You heard a moment ago read in Luke 23 verse 34 these words. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now this is the first of the last seven words of Jesus on the cross. And these words are a prayer. It is a prayer for those who are putting Jesus to death, slowly but surely. It's a prayer for both the religious, the Jews, the religious leaders, And it's also a prayer for the irreligious, the Gentiles, the Roman soldiers, all gathered together. It's a prayer in which Jesus is not praying for himself like most all of our prayers start and end with. Instead, he's thinking about and praying for others in particular His enemies. He's not thinking of revenge. He's thinking of mercy. This is astonishing, isn't it? But it it shouldn't be surprising. Why? Because in this prayer, we see Jesus practicing what he's been preaching. Now, earlier in a sermon recorded in Luke chapter 6, Jesus said to those who hear. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Love and do good. What was Jesus doing in his last hours? He washed the feet of one of those who would betray him. He healed the ear of one of his captors. Now, on the cross, could there be any greater demonstration of enemies' hate, cursing, and abuse than this crucifixion? Could there be a greater expression of love, doing good, and blessing Than what we see in this prayer. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. He prays for the transgressors, he prays for his enemies. Now, since this is a prayer, uh, the question has got to be asked was it answered? Was Jesus' prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, was it answered? And if so, when? Well, we can see that on the day of Pentecost, it was indeed answered. 3,000 of them came to faith in Christ. Remember, we read in Acts 2, this Jesus You crucified and killed, as Peter addresses. This Jesus whom you crucified. Peter's speech, his sermon in Acts 3 captures it well. Listen to these words. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer... He thus fulfilled, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. Peter tells the crowd gathered to listen that you acted in ignorance. But here's someone else that acted in ignorance. The apostle Paul, after he met the crucified and risen Lord on the road to Damascus, the Apostle Paul said this in his first letter to Timothy. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly, formerly, I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. In other words, an enemy of Jesus. He goes on to say, but I received Mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, since these words of Jesus are a prayer, another question about that prayer that's got to be asked is, Not only when was it answered, but how was it answered? How were sinners saved? Through his death, through the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin. You see, his death provides the very basis on which those who crucified him could be forgiven. A well-known hymn that Wendy was playing before the service asks an essential question. What Can Wash Away My Sin? And it provides the one and only answer, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, Maybe Wendy didn't play it before, but maybe you could play it afterward. What Can Wash Away My Sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The author to the letter to the Hebrews says, of course, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. I mean, you see it? Father, forgive them. And he is dying to forgive, literally. He's bleeding to forgive. Now, the first of these last words of Jesus on the cross demand a response from all of us, from you, from me. Because in Acts 17, when Peter is in Athens, he says this the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, just a few days from now, on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, we'll celebrate the resurrection and the assurance that it provides. You see, these first words of Jesus on the cross as he's being killed, they they circle back to some of his first words in his public ministry. We read in Mark 1, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. My friends, when God shows you what you have done and when you have been brought out of your ignorance and you recognize and acknowledge your sin You're also enabled to hear the gospel call to repent, that is to turn from sin, and to believe, and that is to turn to Christ. And repentance and faith are the means by which the grace of God, in particular the forgiveness of God, comes to us. As he prayed this prayer while hanging on the cross, I mean, I have a hard time praying when life is easy. Can you imagine just struggling to try to breathe and you're praying not for yourself, but you're praying for others and you're not just praying for any other, you're praying for those who are right then, right there, killing you. Literally, killing you. You see, as he prayed this prayer while hanging on the cross, Jesus was in no uncertain terms. He was dying to forgive. What was Jesus doing on the cross? He was dying to forgive. You see, he died to forgive all of those who come to him, not with their list of accomplishments, not with their boasting and bragging of success and worldly acclaim. He he died to forgive all those who come to Him bringing two things, repentance and faith, gifts mysteriously in which He also gives you. He died to forgive all those who come to Him in repentance and faith back then and right now. You see, what we see in Jesus dying to forgive is what we sang a few minutes ago amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Let's now turn from listening. To singing together our hymn of response when I survey the wondrous cross hymn 252 in the green trinity hymnal if you're interested when I survey the wondrous cross let's join our hearts and voices as-